You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. church are you well are you sitting comfortably oh that's one. great can you all stand up then take a deep breath we're gonna have a good time today but I just want to ask if we can start this service this meeting this part of the meeting before we get into the word with a tremendous roar of applause to the Lord but I'm talking about with everything that you have now I'm from England so we're meant to be like really reserved but I just feel we're in a season and of we need there's a battle cry and we really need to step it up And so are you ready? On three, I just want you to give the most tremendous roar to the Lord and applaud Him and let's just raise the roof just for a moment. And some of you are going to feel shifts even in your body because you haven't shouted so loud. But God's going to do something this morning. Amen? Are you ready? One, two, three. good you feel good just while you're standing just a little bit longer I want to read something this was from a newspaper in a Colorado newspaper still stand just for a moment a little girl from Colorado was being praised as a hero being called a hero by her family for making a blood-covered intruder leave her house Little Jacqueline Costello woke up early Saturday morning to find a blood-covered stranger hovering over her bed. Instead of being scared, she was mad. Because you can't put blood in our house. That's why, said little Jacqueline. So the five-year-old that stands less than four feet tall escorted the burglar to the back door and told him, get out of my house. The police say that it was an intoxicated man who had been trying to get in to at least two other homes in the neighborhood. Investigators say they found that, found that he'd found an unlocked window at the Costello house and had climbed in and rifling through drawers whilst Jacqueline's mother, brother, and grandmother slept. A neighbor who'd heard the burglar, burglar called 911. The police arrived to find Jacqueline standing outside the back door with the burglar who was then arrested. I just think that's cool. <laughs> Father, I just thank you that we were born into a war. And I thank you that we win. I thank you that battles have been lost but the war has been won. And God, I thank you for this house. I thank you for this city. And today, through your word, I ask that there you would stir us, each and every one of us, including myself, that we would fight through these battles and continue to win. And over this city where there's been loss, failure, where people have fallen, Lord, I ask in the midst of all of it that your name would be lifted up, high and lifted up, that your house, the Father's house, this place, with others in this city, would be a place that truly honor you in your name. But God, I do ask this morning, you would provoke us 
to fight, to battle, that there would be a stirring in each every and every one of us, including myself. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel and chapter 16. I just want to say, church, I think this is, I've been here several times and I feel moved every time I'm here in your city because there is a sense of destiny that is massive in this place. And the enemy can sense it and there's a battle going on. There's a fight going on. And battles have been lost, but ultimately the war has been won. But you know when I read my Bible, it's the Bible continually says, now take, I've given you this land, now take it. Well, hang on, why do I have to take it if you've given it to me? Well, the whole land is yours, but there's giants in the land. In Judges it says, now Jericho was tightly shut up. No one went in and no one went out. And then the Lord says, I've given it into your hands. What? And God has given us an assignment. He's given you an assignment to take something. And when God says he's given us something, it's not like a gift, it's an assignment. He's giving it like homework. I've given you an assignment. And how many of you know that when God gives us something to do, he also gives us the grace, the authority, and the power, and the resource to do it? You are a blessed church. And I just want to say, and I mean this with all my heart, I do have the privilege of traveling around the world and meeting with ministers and leaders of ministries and pastors of big churches and small churches. And I really mean this. It's a privilege to be here with you today and just be a part of your journey. But I want to say more than that, it's something, a joining that has happened um, with your pastors here, with Mike and his wife Maddie, and growing amongst the team. But again, I say this, and I don't say this with any flattery there. Your pastors are truly humble people. Everyone say humility. You know, humility is having an accurate assessment of who God says you are. Pride is having an inaccurate assessment of who we think we are. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. Have you ever read who wrote that? It was Moses. Moses wrote the Pentateuch, so Moses wrote about himself that Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. Why? Because true humility is having an accurate assessment of who God says we are. And part of winning these battles and winning a war ultimately is by knowing who we are. Like little Jacqueline Costello, get out of my house because you can't bleed on the carpet. That's why. A five-year-old, four foot tall, escorting a burglar, get out of my house. And I think that there's a sense that God wants within his church people to stand up and say, devil, get out of my house. And so I'm not gonna be very English and nice today. I want to provoke you. And I wanna jump straight into the life of David. And there were seven steps that I found that marked David's life of him becoming the warrior and the leader that God called him to be and I just want to say that I think as I go through these steps you're going to feel some of them are you going to feel them really directly ah that's me some of you are going to say I've been there some of you are going to say I am there some of you will say I can't relate because you're going to go there you say did you just prophesy I'm going to go through a bad time I did many are the troubles of a righteous man but the Lord delivers him out of some of them eventually. No, he delivers them out of them. Oh, let's go. First Samuel chapter 16, 
Let me give a, a little bit of a context here. So important whenever we read the text that we read it in context. By the way, I'm traveling with my friend Johnny Stevens here. Johnny, can you just stand? This is a wonderful, dear friend of mine. <clears throat> Johnny serves on the senior leadership team in, in uh, St. Charles, but is also, and he hates this, and this is why I'm going to do it. He is also recognized as a prophet. <coughs> um, he's very, very insightful and uh, as strong and tough as he is. Uh, he carries a very tender, tender heart for the Lord. Um, so Johnny, it's so great to have you here, bud. All right. Are you ready? I'm going to pray one more time. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. I thank you that this is your voice in print. I thank you that this is the weapon of our warfare. I thank you that this is the sword that you've given us to fight with. I thank you that this is the only book that we will ever read when you, Holy Spirit, the author, are always present. And I ask you, Holy Ghost, that today, and even through the foolishness of preaching, that your word would come alive. And as I go through these points, that this man that you appointed, David, that you, we would glean principles that we can live our life by. And as this church goes through this season, God, I thank you that destiny and victory are on the other side. I thank you for the leadership. I thank you for the people. And God, I thank you that you are the commander-in-chief that as we stay humble before you will lead us through in Jesus' name. Amen. There are seven steps to this spiritual warrior, David. Everybody heard of David? David, as we know, is a man after God's own heart. David took Israel to its highest heights. David was a man, he messed up. But there's some principles that I see as steps that are just, well, I trust will change your life this morning. And just to give you a context, what's happening in 1 Samuel chapter 16 going into 17 is the choosing of David. David's father was a man named Jesse and there was a prophet named Samuel. And he said to Jesse, I'm coming to your house because God has told me that one of your boys is to be anointed king. So Samuel rocks up and Jesse comes out and he says, Dada, here are my seven boys. Seven is the number of completion. First we have Eliab. He was a fine man, the eldest son, the obvious one that would be chosen, right? The firstborn son, he was a warrior himself. He was a fighter. He was strong and tall and good looking. And Samuel looked at him and he said, no, it's not him. And then he looked at the next son and it's not him. And then the next son, it's not him. And then the next son and the next son and the next son and the next son. He went all through all seven and he looked at Jesse. He said, it's none of these for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Do you have another son? Here's my first point. If you can go up, these can go up on the screen. The first step to becoming a spiritual warrior is to go through the step of rejection. Will you say that with me? Rejection. Number one is rejection. Can you imagine for a moment you're David? And there is a party going on that you are not invited to. Everybody else in your family is. And your dad, your father is about to show off all your brothers. But you're not even invited. I personally believe David was a love child. The reason why is the psalmist says, in sin I was conceived and in iniquity my mother bore me. I want to suggest that perhaps David was not invited to the party because his father was ashamed of him. We know he was red-headed and he was rugged. He was different. So here the prophet says, <coughs> excuse me, he says, do you have any more kids? 
Do you have another son? And you can just imagine Jesse like, well, these are the best. I mean, there's Dave, but David's kind of, he likes to play the harp. He's just kind of out there. He likes to play with his slingshot and who knows what he does. He just sings and stuff. So I, I love this. The man of God, Samuel, says to Jesse, go get him and I'm not gonna sit down till he gets here. That's insane. That's pretty intense. Okay, here's, here's the verse if you're following me. Just the rejection, verse 11. Chapter 16, verse 11, if you wanna follow. So where, where are we talking about here? There is still a youngest. Jesse answered, yes, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down till he arrives. <coughs> I wanna just provoke us today that if you've gone through a season of rejection, God will use it. Because in that season of rejection, God was training David. As we'll see later, publicly, two nations saw him kill a giant, but privately, he killed a lion and a bear. It was in the obscure, it was in that place of rejection, knowing that there's a party going on that he is not invited to. And yet God is doing his finest work in shaping this young man. God will often close the eyes, close the eyes and close the ears of those closest to you to cause you to go to the only one that can help you and that is him. There are times, and this is part of teleos. Teleos means to become mature. It means to grow up. There is times where, and I believe the body of Christ is here right now, where we have to grow up. We have to get, get over ourselves, And in true humility to say, yes, that is who I am by the grace of God. Not in arrogance, but in accuracy. I know who I am and I know what God's called me to do. And I can go through this rejection. It's okay because God knows. And it seems like no one else cares. No one came to got me. No one said, hey, Dave, you just try and be there. He just got on and began, and he learned to worship there. He learned to fight there. So number one, rejection. Number two, the second step for a spiritual warrior is isolation. Isolation, will you say that with me? Isolation. How many of you ever felt like I'm in a season of isolation? Probably any of everyone in this room over COVID felt some degree of isolation. But you've been there in your life. You just feel like, wow. Let's read this together. Isolation chapter 19. Sorry, verse, verse, verse 19. <clears throat> so then Samuel said, Oh, hang on, hang on, we, missed a, we missed a major part here. Back up, verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David with power. Boom. Kind of important parts. David gets taken out of this place of rejection. He gets bought. They're not gonna sit down till he gets there. Jesse and Samuel, the prophet says to Jesse, that's the one. And he gets a horn of oil and he pours it over David's head in front of all his brothers. Can you imagine his brothers? Like, what's Dave doing here? Who let him out? Who told him we even had a younger brother? He's weird. He's a poet. He plays the harp. We, we're the anointed ones. We're the warriors. And David's just stood there with oil being poured over his head. And from that day, the spirit of the living God came upon him. This is cool. But then something weird happens. He goes from this place of rejection to this place of wow, of honor and anointing. Then he goes back to looking after sheep. <coughs> How do I know? 
So Samuel took the horn of oil and he pulled it over him. Then, verse 19, then Saul sent a messenger to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is out with the sheep. So have you ever been in a place of this, of isolation, where God has given you promises. Maybe you're at a conference, maybe you're a small group, maybe you were on Sunday morning and there was this prophetic word. Maybe Julian Adams was in and he came and he won't give you this word and you go to work on Sunday morning, on Monday morning and you get demoted. You're told you're gonna go to the nations and something terrible happens in your health. You told this and you promised and said, this is how David felt. A horn of oil poured over his head and then he went back to looking after the sheep. In other words, Samuel leaves and his family are like, yeah, I don't know what just happened, Dave, but there's some sheep over there you need to be looking after, okay? Ever felt cut back? Put your hand up if you ever felt cut back marginalized, isolated. Lord, I thought I was anointed. That's where David was. And I wish I could tell you this next step is better, but I think actually it gets worse because the next step is the step of limitation. Everyone say limitation. Limitation. Let's look at this in verse, in verse 17. So, um, verse 19, so um, Saul sent to him, so David, okay, they were going, actually we're jumping from chapter 17 now. And Jesse, David's dad, calls for David, who's back looking after the sheep. He says, hey Dave, can you please go and see Saul? Now the context here is an evil spirit entered Saul, the anointing had left him and he wanted David to go and play the harp. But Jesse said, while you're out there, can you please take cheese and crackers to your brothers? Okay, can you imagine this for a moment? So he's gone through this stage of rejection. He's gone through this stage of isolation. But suddenly now his dad says, hey, David, there's a, there is a war going on out there. There is a battle going on out there. I want you to leave your sheep, all right? And I want you to take these cheese and I want you to take these crackers and I want you to go to the front line. I want you to find your brothers and I want you to give them these cheese and crackers. That's pretty rough as well, right? I've already gone through rejection. I've already gone through isolation. And now I'm anointed, but I just have to take cheese and crackers to my brothers who are out on the battle line and I got sent back to looking after sheep. What's going on, God? But I love this. Watch the heart here. Watch the humility. Verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd loaded up and set out as his father Jesse had directed well. Can I suggest to us church that for us to become who God's called us to be as an army of warriors individually we have to keep a soft heart. Instead of fighting because it is wrong it was wrong it was unjust. But he says, I will still serve. But I love it. Like, well, I'll get to it when I want to. Like, they can starve a little bit. It says, early in the morning, David got up and he did as his father instructed. I love that. Limitation. Listen to his heart. Ah. You know, one of the ways that David served is by honoring his brothers. And we honor because we're honorable, not because we're necessarily deserving of honor. He could have said, cheese and crackers, are you kidding me? I'm not a pizza delivery boy. I'm king, actually. I'm anointed, remember? Remember? Anyone remember what this, uh, the prophet Samuel said? Yeah, that was me. So I'm not gonna do cheese and crackers. But he kept this heart of humility. He says, sure, Dad. Sure, Dad. The same Dad that rejected me. 
that put me in this place of rejection because you're ashamed of me. Sure, Dad, that after I was recognized and anointed before my brothers and you, by the way, was then sent back to looking after sheep. Sure, Dad. You put me in this place of isolation. It's pretty rough, actually, Dad, but I'm good. I spent time with my Heavenly Father. He's the Father to the fatherless. He weighs my heart, he knows my every thought. Written a few Psalms, by the way, but yeah, I can take cheese and crackers. To your warrior sons, my brothers. And so he goes. And then we have another step, and it's the step of accusation. Will you say that with me? Anybody here ever been accused of something? Someone said something to you that just is not true. Someone said something about you that isn't true. Someone spoke a word over your character that just is not true. I was stood in line with, with uh, Johnny and Otter and Mike this morning in a coffee shop. And uh, this lady said, um, you're in line. I said, am I what? She said, you're in line. I said, am I a liar? No, I'm not a liar. She said, no, I said, are you in line? I said, oh, am I in line? Okay, yeah, no, yeah, no, you go ahead. Anyway, buddy. I love it here, it's fun. Wow. I, I didn't, we were on a plane here. They just, a plane, there's now a, a, a trip from Chicago to Owensboro. It takes 53 minutes and it costs $59. It's amazing because it's a six hour drive. And uh, in the little bus thing going up to the plane, this lady said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from England. I said, where are you from? And her husband said, um, we're from Kentucky. <laughs> and I said, oh, where's that? He said, that's where we're going. And I said, uh, so tell me, do you, you, did you, do you, are you born and raised there? Yeah, he said, bourbon, barbecue, and bluegrass. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, I didn't, what was that? He said, a bourbon, barbecue, and bluegrass. I said, did you say bluegrass? He said, Yes, bluegrass. Anyway, so. <laughs> I really love it here. It's so fun. Johnny was this morning. It's like, people are so friendly here. He's so kind here. Like, Johnny, you know, it, it works in Chicago a lot. So it's like, they're not, they just move out the way or I'll cut you. Right. Anyway. Watch this. Are you ready? This is, this, is, this is actually comical to me. Look at verse 28. So imagine David, he rocks up, does what his father says, he's in obedience. He, goes, he gets to the battle lines, he's got the cheese and crackers, and he sees Eliab, remember the firstborn son who should have been an anointed king? But even David was, he still went back to look after the sheep. He still didn't get to go to the front lines. He's still not treated any differently. And he reached, reached his brother. And in verse 20, it says, Then Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, and he burned with anger at him and asked, Why did you come down here? And what did you do with those few sheep? <laughs> I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is you came down only to watch the battle dang that's some serious accusations against this young guy with a pure heart and he's now on this step of becoming a spiritual warrior. And it's the step of accusation. How do you deal with accusation? You know, people always accuse you of the things that they themselves are guilty of. Look how conceited you are. I know how evil your heart is. It was anything but that. Such an older and so 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 condescending. And what did you do with those few sheep? 
hey, what are you doing here, bro? We have a lot of sheep in our family. You have a pretty big responsibility. You probably shouldn't be here. It wasn't that. He burned with anger. There is something of anger that raises his head when the flesh meets the spirit of the living God. That's why Galatians 5 there, it says they're in conflict with one another. Can I just declare over you that God sees the purity of your heart and there have been things spoken over this house that are from the enemy and at the end of this meeting today we're going to break those words we're going to reverse those curses because it is not godly and your best days are ahead destiny is over this house and I want to say as well there's a humility over this house there's a humility and it's a God thing it's a God strength. Remember, humility is having an accurate assessment of who God says you are. Pride is having an inaccurate assessment of who we think we are. And I wouldn't be here if there wasn't a genuine, deep humility of strength in Mike and Maddie and the leaders of this house. It's beautiful and it's over you. And God's going to honor it in this season. And in the seasons to come, it's going to increase and it's going to increase. Amen. All right. Accusation. Oh. Our response to accusation is the back door to destiny. How we respond is so, so important. You wanna, you're going to love this. Are you ready? This is how David responded. He says, what have I done now? <laughs> Typical younger brother. Like, now what have I done? And it says, can't I even speak? Then he turned away and talked to somebody else. Church, did you hear that? David said, talk to the hand. Eliab, I'm sorry, I've been honorable, I've served you, but enough is enough. That is an accusation that is not true. It is a lie and I reject it and I am now going to turn away from your accusations and I'm gonna to talk to someone else. By the way, what David was asking was what happens to the man that kills Goliath? Because David has got an anointing and he is not distracted really by all of these stages. They're difficult and they can throw some of us off and actually for some of us ruin our destiny, but not for David. He was still focused. He's there with the cheese and crackers. Hey, what's up Eliab? How you doing, bro? Hey, here's this. You want this cheese and crackers? And he starts attacking him and he says... I'm going to talk to someone else. And he went to somebody else and he said, hey man, what's happening here? Who is that guy over there? Oh, his name's Goliath. He comes out here every day with his ranks on the other side of the valley and he jeers at us and he jeers at us. David says, does he now? Huh. He says, uh, so what happens to the guy that kills him? I said, oh, well, whoever kills him gets to marry the king's daughter, live in the king's palace and he never has to pay taxes again for the rest of his life. Sweet. It's great to live in the anointing rather than under the stress of trying to be something. Just know I'm in the grace of God. <laughs> and just church, there's an anointing on you. You've got nothing to prove. You've got nothing to lose. God will see you through. His favor, just to say, God's favor is when he likes things about us. And the reason he likes them is because those things are like him. When we're humble, he likes it because he's humble. When we're generous, he likes it because he's generous. When we're people of integrity, he likes it. And God turns his favor to, to the people he likes and the reason he likes them is because they're like him. So David is asking this question. I love it. There's so many funny things in here. I love the way the Bible reads, but he's having this conversation with Saul and Saul, what did you, Saul's asking, what do you do? He says, well, I used to keep sheep. When I read my Bible, you were keeping sheep sunshine earlier that day. <laughs> because it says early in the morning, you got up and left and went to the battle lines. Can 
Can I suggest to us that it's possible when the Spirit of God moves upon us and we walk in true humility, which is with an accurate assessment of who God says we are, that when someone says, what do we used to do? Or what do we do? We, we, well, even what we did this morning was history. Because right here, right now, I'm no longer a shepherd, I'm a giant killer. And so he looks at Saul. He says, I'm a giant killer, but I used to keep sheep. And the dialogue goes on. And he goes to the next step, step number five, which is the step of manipulation. Everyone, anyone gone through manipulation? Ever been manipulated? few of you hands up again let me think about you've been manipulated I feel there's something twisty going on here now the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities of darkness I don't want to get too deep and super spiritual but the Bible talks about the Leviathan spirit the Bible does and the Leviathan twists you ever been in a conversation with somebody and the conversation just gets twisted We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. Sometimes there's a twisting spirit that tries to twist things. Another one the Bible talks about is the python. That sque- the python squeezes the life out. Ever been in a conversation where you're just like, why does the life just keep getting sucked out of this life group or this room or this conversation? Well, it's not the person. There's a wrestle, not against flesh and blood, not against the person, but principalities of darkness. What we can do is just break that power. So I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. You don't have to scream and shout. Say, what's your name? They're liars, so anyway. Manipulation. Verse 38, let's look at this together. I'm nearly done, and we're gonna pray, and I just believe God's gonna do something. Um, amongst us in a moment and he's going to clear some things up because for this next season and remember I said at the beginning some of you have been here and some of these points you're like wow and some of you are there and some of you haven't been there yet and these words are going to help you and as you go into that season these words will help you navigate ah I'm going through stages God told Moses record the stages This is a stage. This is a step. See, God often is more interested in developing us than delivering us. He said, Lord, take me out. He says, no, I'm leaving you in. Because I'm more interested in developing you than delivering you and pulling you out. Because I am absolutely passionate about you coming to maturity. Paul says, I make it my goal to present every man complete teleos in Christ to grow up, to be fully formed. He says, I long that Christ may be fully formed in you. And so don't, church, when you go through hard times, say, God, what are you doing here? What am I learning here? What can I, how can I maintain a great attitude through this? And God will see you through. And God has and God will continue to. Manipulation. I believe, here, let's read this. I keep saying that, don't I? Manipulation. Then Saul dressed David in his own, everyone say own, tunic. But, sorry, and he put a coat of armor on his head and a bronze helmet on him. Then David fastened on his sword, this is Saul's sword, uh, over the tunic and tied it around. But he tried walking around because he was not used to them. Say he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, David said, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five stones. I could go really deep into this, but I want to suggest that the reason Saul wanted him to wear his armor is so that he could get the glory. When you're being manipulated, see, discipleship is not making clones. Discipleship is training a person to follow the one who lives inside. It's to see Christ fully formed in that person. We're all made originals. Sadly, many people die copies. We are called, you are called as a church to be a voice, not an echo. God hasn't called you to echo Hillsong or echo a denomination or echo Bethel. God has called you 
to a specific sound that he's given you as a house. And what manipulation does is it tries to force you to become something that you're not so that someone else can get the glory. And I love this about David. You see his heart. He was still willing to try on the sword. He was still willing to try on Saul's armor. And as he's walking around in this shiny suit, trying to be compliant, he looks at Saul and he says, I'm not used to it. In other words, would it be okay with you rather than me be something that I'm not because I'm not used to doing things the way that you do. Like if he was arrogant, he would have been like, uh, if it's so great, why didn't you kill him? If this armor is that great and you're so great, why don't you go and take this Goliath guy out who's dishonoring the name of the Lord? You do it if you're so great. He didn't. He tried it on. And then he said, would it be okay if I just did this my way? if I just did this the way God trained me, if I just took five small stones and a sling, would that be okay? See, I'm better with a sling and some stones than a shiny suit and a sword. And this is what happened. Church, if we don't realize that this is a step that David went through and most probably likely will go through, then when we hit this, life could make us bitter. Bitter with people, bitter with church, bitter with life, bitter with God, bitter with our spouse, bitter with ourselves, bitter with our children. Life will make you bitter or life will make you better. When you've been manipulated, you, it is possible like David, who was a man after God's own heart, to stay soft, to stay humble. And by humble, I do not mean weak. Meekness, by the way, where Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the world, is nothing to do with spineless or weakness behavior. Meek horses in, those, in that time, in Jesus' time, the horses were brought from the mountains and they were, some were trained to carry, some were trained to, ca to carry like fruit and vegetables, some were to carry people, some were to carry bricks. Watch this, but the best horses were chosen to become war horses. And the war horses were trained to fight and to run into battle at 40 miles an hour. And one nudge of the rider's kick would come to a complete stop. They weren't scared of fire. They weren't scared of arrows. They were trained, watch this, and they were called the meeked. When Jesus is blessed to the meek, he's actually saying blessed to the trained. And part of the training isn't just to fight demons or certainly not fight one another, but to be able to rule our own spirit. The Bible says, better for a man to rule his spirit than he who takes a city. Wow. In other words, God says, I would rather you rule yourself and your attitude than take a whole city for me. And David was that man. So he goes to the next stage. We've got two more Stage six, step six of a spiritual warrior and it's the step of intimidation. Will you say that with me? Intimidation. Have you ever been, ever been intimidated by life? Hands up if you've ever been intimidated by life or you've been intimidated by somebody. You've been intimidated by what someone said. Well, here's David He's, not, he's gone through this stage of, uh, of standing before Saul and, and finding out, hey, what happens to the guy that kills this dude that's being so rude? The man who's gone through rejection and isolation and limitation and, 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 and now here he stands, ready to go up against this nine foot tall giant who stands every single day with ranks against the people of God and jeering and shouting his murderous threats. 
Let's read it together, verse 45. Is it 40? I'm going to read from verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at David over, David over, and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. Ever looked, anyone seen someone who looked at you and they despised you? Maddie, have you ever seen somebody who looked to you and just despised you? That's why Paul says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example in your life, in your speech, in your purity, and in your faith. But Goliath despised him. He looks down on him. And he said, am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? And the Philistine Goliath cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. That's pretty intimidating. Don't you think? What plays in the theater of your mind? Is it disaster? Or is it victory? He's intimidating him and he's threatening him. And when you speak, it can shift an atmosphere. It can fill a room with power. That's why the death are in the power of the tongue. That's why we need to be careful what we say. Therefore, not making judgments over people. But speak life. Are you ready for the last step? I can honestly say this one is a game changer. This is where it gets good. I know it's been a bit rough today, but I trust it will help you in this next season because many are the troubles of a righteous man or a righteous church, but the Lord delivers him not out of some eventually, but out of them all. And the victory is what? Church, there's a destiny on you and there's a destiny on this house. And past intimidation, there is the last step and it's the step of validation. Will you say validation with me? Okay, you ready? Here we go. Ah, verse 45. Let's read this together if you're following in your notes. Then David said to the Philistine, this is David. This is the man who's been anointed by God, full of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> who's walked in humility, who's not reacted, who's not thrown his toys out of the pram. And he stands and he looks up at this uncircumcised Philistine who's nine feet tall and he's just a boy. And as Goliath said, you come at me with sticks. And David says, you come against me with the sword and the spear and with the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty and the gods of the armies of Israel to whom you have defied. And on this day, I will cut off your head and I will feed birds. In other words, how dare you? He's standing in a place of validation. He's standing in a place of confidence. And the reason I ask you the question, what plays in the theater of your mind, oh mind, David declared back to him, today I will cut off your head. He didn't have a sword. 
In other words, what was playing in the theater of David's mind is I'm going to take this sling and I'm going to go... I'm going to do what comes naturally to me. I've already killed a lion and a bear with this thing. I'm going to take you down, sir. And I'm going to hit, I'm going to let this thing go. And it's going to sink right into your forehead. And you're going to drop like a stone. And when you do, I'm going to walk over to you. And I'm going to pick up your sword. And then I'm going to cut off your head. See, when the Bible says, lift up your heads, all you gates... The, a th- hedge, headship is authority, gates are people. So the Bible is actually saying, lift up your, your heads, you people with authority. Lift up your heads, lift up your authority. It's walk in who God has called you to be. So when someone's head is cut off, their authority is cut off. And on that day, the Philistines retreated. Why? Because the head of the giant had been cut off. When Jesus died at Golgotha, the promise is he will strike your heel, (coughs) but he will cut off your head. And when the cross went into Golgotha, Golgotha was the place of the skull. So when that cross dropped into Golgotha, it was actually going into the head. And Jesus cried, Tetelestai, it is finished. It is paid in full. Now I've given you the land, but go and take it. But I thought you'd given it to me. Yes, an assignment. I've given you an assignment. There's giants, but I've given you authority over every living thing. Go and take authority. See, Jesus says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Just want to say authority always wins over power. The devil has power, but he doesn't have authority. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Somewhere in this building, there is a room, and it probably says locked, but in that room is a, is, a, is a lever, and it says on and off. And those who have the right to go into that room can pull that lever down and shut the power down to this entire building. Authority wins over power. The enemy has power, but he doesn't have authority. Jesus says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. But we have to stand in a place of validation. Will you stand with me? I just wonder if musicians, if you could come. I want to pray through these, very quickly, these points. And I believe this, again, I just, prophetically, I just feel that there's, there's something in this. And some of you were like, yeah, can't really attach that to anything in my life right now. But you will in this season coming up. And it's not like a scary fight. The great thing is we win. I read the end of the book. <laughs> we, 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 we won. We win. There's fights, but we win. And you're going to go a season, but you watch. Through it all, God's going to train you. God's more interested in, de- in developing us than delivering us. Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to share one more thing. It's one of my favorite stories. And for those who are artists here, if there's any artists, this is a, a story about two friends that were in an art gallery in Europe. I was in Europe last week or the week before last and I saw this picture again and reminded of it and last night I was sitting with Mike and Maddie and Johnny and I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of this story and it's these two friends were walking through this art gallery and one didn't particularly like the art and he didn't really just want to move on and as they got through one of the rooms, in this room was one picture and it was a huge picture and it took the entire wall. And on the wall was a picture of two people playing chess. And one of the people was the devil and the other was this man. And the devil was laughing. He was like cackling. And the other man who was playing chess had his head in his hands and the name of the picture was Checkmate. between the devil and between this man was the chessboard, and they were playing chess 
clearly by this artist's impression, this drawing, the devil had won. Which is why he was laughing. The devil had won because he got this man in checkmate. And one of these two guys that was stood there stood motionless, staring at this picture called Checkmate. And his friend said, come on, let's go, there's more to see. And he said, wait a minute. And he said, come on, let's go, there's more to see. He said, go on without me. So his friend left and went on to another part of the museum and his friend sat there staring at this picture and after about 10 minutes he gasped and he screamed and he said, somebody get in here, call the owner of the museum. The artist, the painter has made a mistake. And they said, what? And he said, call the artist. Call the artist, call the people, call the owners of the museum. The artist has made a mistake. It's not checkmate. There's a kerfuffle moving on throughout the museum and people were coming. And the owner of the museum came out and he said, what is going on, sir? He said, you've got to call, you, you've got to call, you, you, you've got to call, you've got to call the artist. He's got it wrong. It's called checkmate. The picture describes the devil having won. But the king has one more move. Church, the king always has one more move. The king is the commander-in-chief his name is Jesus and it is all as well with him. We are his people. He is our leader. He always has one move, one more move. And when the devil says checkmate, when the devil laughs and cackles, when the devil makes us feel like we've been defeated and we've lost, the king says, I've got one more move. If you're here this morning and you can relate to that feeling of rejection, will you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise your hand really high and boldly. When you started talking about rejection, Dan, I'm like, man, I, I have felt rejected. I've dealt with it recently. I've dealt with it my whole life. But you can just relate to that sense of rejection. Raise up your hand, okay? If you can put your hand, actually, you can keep your hand up if you want. Next one is this, this, this sense of isolation. You've been promised stuff. Just raise your hand really high. I know I'm going to go quick so you don't have to hold your hands up too long. But isolation, you're like, man, that's, that's me. I've just dealt with isolation. I've been in stateless place of isolation. Great. What about number three, limitation? You feel like I'm restricted. I've been cut back. I, I, I just get to carry cheese and crackers. And what about this? And what about God's promises? And I've got, there's more to me than this. You feel you're in this place of limitation. Okay, number four, accusation. You've just, you've dealt with this. Things have been said. People have said things about you. And they've gone deep. See, it hurts. Even if you know their lies, they still hurt. They still go in. Maybe it's something your dad has said or a father figure has said, a teacher. I know in my own life, sometimes it takes me by surprise and someone, I wouldn't even think that they would even have access to say something that would hurt so much. And they say it and it goes in really deep. Manipulation. Hands up for manipulation. I just sit tired of being manipulated. Intimidated. Intimidation. You're like, I, I hate being, I hate intimidation, but I feel it. All right, I'm going to ask you to do something boldly, church. I'm going to ask you if you're one of those six. If you can relate to any of those six, just to come quickly down to the front. Just come quick. And I'm going to pray and declare validation in the name of Jesus and break those things off you right now in Jesus' name. Just come quickly. I'm not going to hold you long. I'm going to just worship a bit more. And I'm going to hand back to Pastor Mike. But thank you, Lord God. Just come quick. If you can, just come quickly to the front. Come tight so everybody can get in. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you can, just lift your hands to him. Close your eyes. Don't worry about the person next to you. Just engage with God. Just speak shame. Shame is a killer. Shame off you in Jesus' name. Some of you right now are thinking, yeah, but I probably deserved it or it was my fault, but I did do this wrong. I just speak shame off you. Off you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. I speak in the mighty name of Jesus against rejection. And for everybody stood in this building today that it's dealt with that sense of rejection, like I'm not good enough. Something happened in my family line. I declare in thanksgiving, God, I thank you that you choose the other the people that go, the other people don't count. In the same way as that you called David out of the fields when others reject him. I thank you for everybody that's dealt with, felt rejection in their life, and I just speak validation over you in Jesus' name. I break the power of those words spoken over you for isolation. Those who just felt lost in isolation. Those who felt damaged by, by isolation. Damaged by that sense of, man, I just feel, I, I, I felt so lonely. Loneliness is a killer. And some of you have even gone to the point where you've questioned your sanity and you've questioned your, even your salvation because of how you felt. And I want to just to remind us that we are, we, are, we are believers, not feelers, first of all. Lord, I ask for a new belief this morning in you, a fresh trust in you, because the best days are ahead. The best days are ahead. And I break that, those feelings of isolation that I'm alone and lost in Jesus' name. And limitation those who felt restricted like God will I ever go through this will I ever be promoted you say just when you say this week say Lord I trust you Lord I trust you I actually trust you I choose I I thank you that even when the enemy says checkmate I thank you that you always have one more move I thank you that have to be limited by people, by circumstance, by my teachers, by my colleagues, by my boss. I trust you, Lord. For accusation, words that have pierced and penetrated, that you knew were alive, but they still just hurt. They just still, you're trying not to let them take root because you know it'll kill you. I break that power of that lie in the I break the power of that lie. Just let that lie go forward on the ground right now. Say, I let you go, you lie. That is a lie. Break that lie in Jesus' name. Some of you right now say, but maybe it's not a lie, it's a lie. Think on that which is pure and lovely and wholesome and of a good report. Think on these things.
turn and talk to somebody else. I am sorry. I am not going to listen to these lies. They are not true over my life. Some of you need to say it politely to a parent in really honoring to a parent. I'm sorry. That is not true of me. I, I don't reject you, mom. I don't reject you, dad. But I do reject what you just said because it's just not true. I'm talking about uh, older children, by the way, who've left home, just so we're clear. <laughs> Your parents. Intimidation. Those who've been intimidated, just break that power. He's given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Just speak sound mind in this place. Sound mind in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Take a deep breath, church. I just want to leave this just declaring this as a truth over you as a, as a house. God is with you. You have amazing leaders and you have an amazing destiny. And I just declare over you all validation. Validation 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 and an authority I just, just declare of you to walk in the authority to stand up against the enemy who's making you feel intimidated and say how dare you get out of